We're going to start in Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. And then uh, we'll go to Acts and come back to Matthew and then we'll end in Acts. But I want to start in Matthew chapter number 6 tonight. God showed me a few verses this morning. I kind of put an old thought and a new thought together. Um, But I want to start here in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 19. Matthew number 6, uh, verse number 19. I'm going to read this other verse first. It says in Lamentations 3.51, it says, Mine eye affecteth my heart. And then Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon heaven, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor uh, rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your hearts be also. The light of the body is the eye. If, there th- if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in, uh, is in thee, uh, be darkness. How great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for, neither he will, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And I'll give you a title, we'll pray, and then we'll get uh, right into this message. The title of tonight's message is Two Eyes, One Vision. Two Eyes, One Vision. Dear me, Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I just thank you again for this privilege that we get to be here and to get to share a burden. Lord, also for the privilege that I get to stand behind your pulpit, Lord, and to preach your word. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for salvation. Lord, thankful for your word. Lord, just ask you to speak me uh, through me tonight. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, I could be a blessing uh, to the church tonight. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at verse 21, it says there, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And as I read that other verse, it says, My eye affecteth my heart. You realize what we look at and what we see is going to affect our heart. It's going to affect what we do. It's going to affect everything uh, that's, that's part of our, our Christian life. And as I looked at uh, these few verses, I'm going to give you a few points as, a, as an intro, and then I'll jump right um, into kind of the meat of our message. But you see verses 19 uh, through 21 here gives a priority. It gives you two different things. It says, lay not up for yourselves things on earth. We know that's talking about material things, things that we, uh, that we have here on earth. And the Bible, Christ, as he's trying to teach us, he's trying not to get our focus on those things that are here on earth. But he says in 21, he says, lay up for yourselves uh, treasures in heaven. And it says, verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And realize what verse 21 is, what do we really treasure? And as we look and we, and we continue on that verse, it talks about our eyes, one being full of uh, light and one being full of darkness and full of evil. And you see that we, even though we have two eyes, we ought to have one vision, one vision that is made up of what God wants us to do. And as he ends that, and we see the perspective there in verse 21, we see a perspective about our eyes, about the evil and the darkness. And you see then 24, it creates a problem. And it says that no man can serve two masters. And we realize here on earth there's a lot of distractions, there's a lot of things that come to our mind. But God has a focus for us. He wants our eyes to be aligned. He wants our eyes to be focused. And he wants us to have one vision. And because of that vision, it says my eye, going back to, again to that verse, is my eye affecteth my heart. And you realize what our heart is, what our heart desires, the things about our heart. And I'm going to use somebody's a, a, a personal example in the Bible of some Someone's, uh, of someone's life, their life testimony, and it'll be the meat of our message. If you want to turn to Acts chapter number 20, verse number 24. 
And using this, uh, uh, Paul's example, let me use Paul's example here in his life testimony. There's some things in his life that he kept, uh, that kept the importance of his vision right. And I'm going to give you four different things tonight. Four different things just in this verse. Talking about Paul's life. We're in Acts chapter number 20. And realize that he had his priorities right. He had the right perspective and he fixed all these other problems. And he was able to look forward of what God had called him to do, what God had given him to do, and he had the right vision. He had, the, he had his eyes together. Even though he had two eyes, he wasn't looking two different ways. He had God in front of him, and he had God's purpose, what God, his purpose that he had given to him, and his vision was, his vision, uh, was straight. And we see through this verse, you saw, uh, you saw this verse in our, um, in, in, our, uh, in our video, you'll see it on our prayer card. It's, it's my life verse, and I love what Paul says through here. In Acts 20, verse number 24, he says, But none of these things move me, neither count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And you realize the things that, we're, that we need to have as part of our heart, the things that we're going to see that are going to affect our heart for us to, to show. And you see the, uh, the four things I'm going to give you. It deals about the heart and four different things. Number one, uh, I've already said the word. Number one is his desires. You see, his desires was found at the end of that chapter. It says, in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And you see, if you look back, to, I don't have time to go back to Acts chapter number 9, but Paul's life before he became a Christian, uh, before God chose to change uh, Paul's life, if Paul was one uh, that was known to persecute the church, one that threw Christians in jail, one that murdered Christians. And you see, God used this man, uh, even though he was full of evil, full of darkness, and God decides to call him out. Paul was on his way to, on the to Damascus to persecute the church, and God decides to speak to him, and he calls him out, and you see how he completely changes this man's life. Uh, Paul finally gave him to Christ what God was speaking to him, and what he called him to do, and the, one of the verses, verse number 15, back in Acts 9, it says, uh, Paul, uh, God is talking to the man, Ananias was the man that was sent to help Paul um, during this time, and God speaks to Ananias, and he calls him a chosen vessel. And you see how God, he has chose Paul, even though he chose Paul, you realize he, cho- he chooses all of us, us that are saved here in this room tonight. He chooses us for a specific reason, to have a focus, to have a vision that's right. And it's for us, and we see Paul's desire here. His desire was to win people to Christ. He says, I have received this of the Lord Jesus. He made it a personal responsibility in his own life to go out and to see people saved and to, and to win people to Christ. If you look to verse number 19, we're still in Acts chapter number 20. But verse number 19, it says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing. Sorry, skim down to verse 21. He says, Testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit in Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. You see, his purpose, no matter where he went, no matter what city he traveled to, he knew his purpose for his life, and his desire was to go out and to serve God and to see people one for Christ. 
Christ. He says in Romans 10, 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire is, uh, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And he, he had a responsibility. He knew what that responsibility was. And he took it and he did that job. He had his focus right. He had his vision right. Uh, aligned. He had his vision aligned with God. But there's a second thing in this verse that I found about Paul's desires is if you look to verse number 20, he says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And if you jump down to verse number 29, it says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. You see, as he went out, he, he had a responsibility to go and win people to Christ. But here, as he's sitting in the city of Ephesus teaching a group of young preachers here, he had the responsibility to warn them. He says, by the space of three years, he, had, he was there for three years warning them. And he realized who those people were. He says it right there in verse number 30. He says, also of your own selves shall men arise. He said, there's going to be people that you know, people that, that you know personally. They're going to come in and they're going to try and persuade you. They're going to try and move you away uh, and to get your focus off, to get your vision off of God, what God wants us to do. And he says here, he says, be careful. He says, I'm here to warn you. And you see, as we go out and as we teach people, our responsibility there is to help, help train them, help equip them, and help warn them to realize there are going to be people that are going to come in. People that have tried to, you see, people try to change the Bible. People try to change doctrine. They change standards. They change all these things. He says, don't, don't let that waver your own faith. Don't let that waver your ministry and your responsibility." He says, I'm here, I'm here to win people to Christ, but I'm also here to warn you. And see, that's it. that was his desire. His desire was right there to be able to win people to Christ, um, but also uh, to warn them. If you look in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, sorry, chapter number 4, very quickly, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. He's writing this letter to Timothy, his own son of the faith, someone that was, that was near and dear to his heart. And he says here, uh, for, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number two, he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap in themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. He's there. He was just simply warning him. He said, just preach the gospel. Go out what God has called you to do and just do it. He says, don't be persuaded. Don't turn away. Don't let them, uh, don't let them come in and try to persuade you. And as you try to equip these young men and try to train them, realize his, his desires there uh, was to warn him, uh, was to win them, but also uh, to warn them. So we see Paul's desire, first of all, was to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So we see, number one, was Paul's desires. Number two, we see, if you look at the beginning of this verse, he says here, uh, we're back in Acts 20, verse 24. He says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And secondly, we see here is Paul's determination. Paul's determination and you see here, he says, but none of these things move me. And you wonder what those things were. And he says it right above in verse 23. He says, say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds 
and afflictions abide me. Bonds and afflictions abide me. And he realized as he went out to do his ministry, as he went out to preach the gospel, there was going to be people that were against him. There was always going to be someone that was opposing him as, as he was. He, he knew that someone was going to oppose him because he was the one that went out and did it before he got saved. He knew there was going to be someone that was opposing every move that he did. No matter what city he went to, he encountered opposition. He said, those bonds and those afflictions, uh, they abide me. They, they stuck with him. Him sitting in a jail cell, uh, him, him not being able to move, him being in the dark parts of a jail cell and realizing he was still able to do what God had called him to do. And he gives us help. If you look over in Romans chapter number 12, I believe it was just a help in his own mindset that he wanted to help us. Romans chapter number 12, he gives us this one verse here, just helping us to understand that we realize we go through trials, we go through tribulations, we go through those afflictions, but he wants us to stay determined. He wants our life to finish, to keep that vision on Christ, to keep the focus on Christ. And he gives us this help here, Romans chapter number 12, verse number 12. He gives us three things in this verse. He says, first of all, he says, rejoicing in hope. Number two, patient in tribulation. And number three, he says, continuing instant in prayer. And you look at that first one, you see, he says, rejoicing and hope, and you realize as you go out throughout this world, you realize how dark, how dark the world is. You can, you saw it in the Philippines. It's eight, it's seventy five percent, eighty percent dominating in Catholicism, and you see that just the false religion that takes over a country, it takes over this world, and realize there's a lot of people uh, in this world that rather walk in darkness than walk in light. And you see through here that Paul he says to rejoice. And hope. He's talking to us Christians here, talking about the Christian life. Realize we have a hope. God gives us a hope. If you look over in Romans chapter, just a few pages over, Romans chapter 8, uh, we see here, sorry, Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5, there's some things that we get access to because, because of us being saved. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith in His grace, wherein you stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And you see, as we go through those trials, as you go through those tribulations, God still gives us hope. God still gives us a way to be able to be victorious, uh, no matter what comes against us, even though trials do bring along, uh, uh, they do bring along uh, sorrow. It brings along tears. But he says here, he says to us to rejoice in hope. God gives us his word for a reason. God gives us prayer for a reason. Realize we can still be happy. We can still rejoice um, in that hope. So we see number one, he gives us, he says rejoicing in hope. Number two here, he says patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect 
and entire, wanting nothing. He says, talking about the, tri- the trying of your faith, but he uses that word perfect there. And that word perfect, it means a, uh, a completion process. It's a, it's a maturing process to go, you're going from point A to point B, and you come across some rough patches there. But he says that they're there for a lesson. They're there for you. Uh, as you get to the other side of that, you're going cre- uh, to be able to be stronger on the other side. But it comes through patience. And as he says there, he says, just to be patient in tribulation and how that patience works. It'll work itself out. He says also in 1 Peter 5, verse number 10, he says, But the God of all grace, who hath called you into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. He says, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. That we're perfect again. He says, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Realize the things that God's going to give us when we come to him. We go through those trials. And uh, many times I've learned it through my own self of trying to, trying to get ahead of God. Trying to go through uh, things you try. You, you get stuck in a, in, a, in a situation. You try to fix it yourselves. And realize sometimes we, we tend to make the, the problem worse. We tend to make the situation worse. God's trying to teach us here. He just says just to be patient. To realize that to let God work. Uh, I can give you the example over, if you want to turn with me, to Exodus chapter number 13. Exodus chapter number 13. Talking about this, this area of patience in, in tribulation. Sorry, Exodus 14. Exodus chapter number 14. Verses 13 and 14. Using this uh, example of the, uh, the children of Israel, they, they'd been in hundreds of years of bondage in, in, the, in the country of Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh had just let them go, and they were on their way back to the promised land, and then all of a sudden they hit another brick wall. They, they, came, against, they came against the Red Sea, and uh, there was nowhere else they could go. There was not one a move that they could make. Uh, there was nothing they, they, nowhere they could go. And they realized the Egyptian army was headed back. Uh, to, they, they thought the Egyptian army was come back to get them. And he realized God, God creates, a, God creates uh, an answer for them. And you know, they hit that brick wall. They started to murmur. They started to complain. And then Moses comes to the people, Exodus 14, down in verse number 13. He says this, And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen, uh, seen today, ye shall see them again no more. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. He says, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. But he gives us those three things here. He says, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He says, he says to look at me, he says, don't fear, don't fear. I got this situation under control. And that's what Paul learned. He realized no matter what situation he was in, that God was in control of that. God was going to be able to get him through. And uh, that God came on the other side. He says, just to stand still, just to, not to move, not to wait. In your faith, not to, uh, not, to, not to cast doubt, but just to stand still. And he says, and see the salvation of the Lord. Realize God will create a way. And we go, Paul went through trials. He went through situations in his life. Uh, you go, we, we go through those, we go through same uh, trials and tribulations. We understand some of those trials, uh, we realize that they're not going to be a day. They, they may last a year, they may last a, uh, a decade, they may last just a few months. We don't know how long those trials are going to be. But God says just to, just, to, just to stand still, He says, I'll create a way. I'll see His salvation. And we know eventually God 
out part of the Red Sea for the children of Israel, and they, uh, they, they started to make their way back home. Um, and Paul had to learn that in his life, no matter what situation he is. You can go back to the story of him sitting in a jail cell in Philippi, one of the most amazing conversion accounts of, uh, of someone being saved there. And you see that Paul could have tried in his own way to get out of that jail, but it was only going to come by God's power. And as he sat in that jail cell, uh, you, 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 you see what he did. He rejoiced in God. He started praising God. He rejoiced uh, what God was still doing. And through that situation uh, came, a greater, came a greater impact. That, man, that, that jailer there was able to be saved. But it was all by Paul just simply learning uh, just to be patient uh, in that tribulation. To rejoice in hope. To be patient in that tribulation. And then as we go back to Romans chapter number 12, we see the last part of that verse, which I believe is the most important part, that helped him, that helped him stay determined in his life. Even though he could have these two other things, that last thing was, that was, it was vitally important. He says here, Romans 12, verse 12, he says, Last he says, continuing instant in prayer. Continuing instant in prayer. And he realized what prayer meant, how needful it was for him in his life, for him to be able to receive strength, for him to be able to receive uh, peace in his life, for God to be able to strengthen him and to get him through situations and those hard times and those trials and through those bonds and through those afflictions. It came through that prayer. But he gives us those two words there. He says, continuing and instant. And realize that it's a repetitive action. It's something that we have to keep coming back to. Uh, realize we can't give God the, a problem one time and that trial that one time and come to him in prayer just once and expect God to do something. He says, you've got to keep coming back to him to be able to receive, like I said, to be able to receive that strength and that peace from God, you have to keep coming back to him. So he says, continuing instant in prayer. And he gives us just those three, just three simple helps right there that I believe helped Paul keep his heart right, keep his vision right, keep him determined. He says, I want to finish my course. He says, I want to get to the end. I'm, I'm going to finish and I'm going to do it. I need God's help and to be able to go through um, the hard times, go through the hard times. He rejoiced in hope. He was patient in tribulation and he continually instant in prayer. So number one, number one we saw was Paul's desires. We saw Paul's determination. But number three here, if you go back to Acts uh, number 20, verse number 24. Acts 20, verse 24. I'm going to pull out one word here, and then we're going to go to, over to Matthew chapter number 9. He says here, right in the middle of this verse, he says, and the ministry, and the ministry. And you look at Paul's ministry, and uh, you see how vast it was, each of those missionary journeys that he went on, every city that he traveled to. And you see the impact he made in people's lives, the impact he made in that city, the lives that were changed, the people that were saved. And uh, you see the impact he made. And we see number three tonight was Paul's difference. Paul's difference. And what made him different than the rest of the other people is because Paul, had his difference was to make a difference. And you see, through his ministry, through his life, the love he had had for people, he had learned that as, a, as the disciples that taught him, and as the disciples that learned from Christ, the love to be able to see people in need, to see people that, were, uh, that needed truth. He needed to be able to, how, how he able, was able to make a difference was by his love for people. And if you look over to Matthew chapter number 9, Matthew chapter number 9. This is an example of Christ here. As I said, I believe like as the, as the disciples were taught from Christ and as the disciples that taught Paul, I believe it was just one of many examples of how compassion was passed down, the love for people was passed down. 
We see here in Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he and his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. You see, but when he, back in verse 36, it says, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. If you look at verse 35, he's talking about a crowd of people, multitudes of people. They were sick, they were full of diseases. People that knew, they had heard of Christ, and they knew Christ was able to heal them. And they heard of this man, and they came to him, and Christ says, Look at, like, look at all these people. He says, when he saw them, and moved them with compassion, and moved them to do something, and because of all, because of that love he had, the love he had for people, even though these people were sick, they were longing and yearning for him, and as Paul went out, and the difference he made for Christ was because of the compassion he had for people, and to be able to make a difference, it all started with him having compassion, and him moving, and it ought to move us to do something, as we see in the Philippines, even though it is a third world country, and there's a lot of things that will bring you to tears there, uh, but the biggest thing, as I said, is, is talking about how, how uh, indoctrinated they are with, with Catholicism and how, how deep these people are and how ingrained it is because of just centuries of uh, that religion being there in that country. And you see just people lost in darkness, people lost all over the world, uh, lost in darkness, realizing we have the truth, we have a light that we get to share them, we get to show them, and it all brings about the compassion that ought to move us to be able to see people for Christ. And you see Paul's difference, it was to make a difference. So we see number three tonight was Paul's difference. Now lastly, if you want to turn back to Acts number 20, Acts number 20, we saw Paul's desires, we saw Paul's uh, determination, Paul's difference. But lastly, here in Acts 20, verse number 24, we see Paul's delight. We see Paul's delight. He says here, right in the middle of this verse, he says, So that I might finish my course, and he gives these two words, he says, with joy. So that I might finish my course with joy. And we talked about the determination. He says, I want to finish my course. But he says, I don't just want to finish it. He says, I want to do it with joy. I want to have a happiness that's about me. I want to have a joy that's so great and so powerful. And realize there's nothing greater than being able to serve God. And realize as God changed our lives, and I'm thankful God changed my life. I was 16 years old. Even though I grew up in a Christian home, uh, even though uh, I know about Christ, I, I thought I had, as a young child I made a profession, but I didn't realize until I was a teenager that I truly didn't have Jesus Christ in my heart. It was at a teen camp. I was 16 years old, and uh, the preacher was preaching that night. It was last night, and I knew I had to get it settled. I'd been struggling that whole week, that whole summer with salvation, and I knew I had to get it settled, and it came the last night, and I knelt down with one of my counselors, and he walked me through uh, the plan of salvation, and he led me to Christ, and I'm thankful it was July 30th of 2013 that I got that settled. And from that point on, I realized the joy that comes from salvation, just salvation alone, I realized the happiness that comes from that. But he says there's even a greater happiness of being able to finish with joy, not just finishing, but being able to finish with joy. And like I talked about, there's some things that he had went through, the struggles in his life and tribu- uh, trials and tribulations. He says over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 9, if you want to turn there, I'm just going to read it real quick. 2 Corinthians 12, uh, uh, verses 9 and 10. 
It says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, I would rather glory in my infirmities. And then secondly, he says, I take pleasure in infirmities. He says, I'd rather suffer for Christ, going through the will of God, walking in Christ. I'd rather suffer and be happy than that than being outside of the will of God, ignoring what God had called me to do. He says, I'm going to be right here. I'm stuck with it no matter what's against me, but I'm going to be happy that God has called me to be able to serve him and I'm not going to turn away from that. So you see, he had happiness in suffering and he says, I want to finish my course with joy and he realized the joy that he had in his heart, it affected what he did for Christ. It affected as he was going to be able to finish his journey. He wanted to do it with joy. If you turn with me over to Psalms chapter number 37, just one last verse here. Psalms chapter number 37 Verse number 4, Psalms 37, verse number 4, it's talking about a delight, a joy in serving Jesus. Psalms 37, verse number 4, it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of of thy heart. He says, just be happy. Be happy in God. Be happy in Christ. And going through life being happy. And he says, I shall give you the desires of your heart. Realize you can be happy in Christ. And God will give us the right desires. God will give us a heart for people. A heart for this world. And he says, just, just to be happy. Be able to finish our course with joy. And that's what Paul wanted to try and portray uh, through his testimony. That as he was going to go out, he received what the, the ministry that he received of Christ. To be able to go out and testify the gospel. To be able to preach the gospel. To finish his course. To say, that I want to finish my course. And we know, that he, we know that he did. He says over in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I've got my, I've got my way through. I've, I've I persecuted. I've, I've gone through all of this. He says, I know what to get through. But I've, I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to get there. We see the difference he made in people. The compassion he had. And the love that he had in his heart for people. As he learned that from the disciples. That they, they had learned that from Christ. Of just seeing the love they have for people. No matter where it was. No matter what city they went to, he was going to be able to have a love for people. In Jude 22, it says this, And have some having compassion, making a difference. Have some uh, having compassion, making a difference. Realize the compassion we have, it ought to make a difference in this world. It ought to make a difference to people uh, that we see around. But lastly, we saw him was Paul's delight, his delight that he was going to have along this journey. And I'm thankful my wife sings a song with, uh, with her family and with uh, my father-in-law. They sing a song that he wrote many years ago called The Joy in Serving Jesus. And every time they sing that song, it just brings me to tears to realize the happiness that it comes from being able to serve God. And as Paul, through, just, through his life, through his testimony, even though, like, like I said, even though we have two eyes, we ought to have just one vision, 
no matter the distraction in this world, no matter what comes along, and we saw through Paul's life, he said, yeah, I'm going to stick with it, I'm going to stay straight, I'm going to stay my course, and I'm going to get there, but I'm going to do it uh, with the delight, a delight that was so great and so uh, powerful uh, that he, wa- he wanted to be able to, that everyone else, he wanted to share it with as many people as he could because of the compassion that he had and the joy he had for people. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I just thank you for the, the moments we had in your word, Lord, just uh, using Paul's example tonight. Lord, and we saw through just his testimony, Lord, his encouragement that he tried to leave for us, Lord, just to finish our course, finish it with joy, Lord, the vision that we have, Lord, as we looked at that verse in uh, Matthew 6, 21, Lord, where our treasure is, there will your heart be also, Lord, what do we truly desire, Lord? We try, desire a life uh, that's, that's pleasing to you, that we can serve you, Lord, that we can finish it, Lord, that it's joy, that it should bring joy. Lord, just as we take Paul's example tonight, Lord, and, and that we would do something with it, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name.